Six Recap, and we've got a few special guests, but you knew after the Monday night game, we had to have A.J. Hoffman in-house. And at the end of this pod, we're going to do, what is the right, an interrogation, an interrogation of the facts. No, no, I mean, we may quote from various um, scouting reports and such and try to associate failure with like what causes it. Maybe in the end, it will be a cautionary tale. For example, uh, <laughs> who's the quarterback for the Raiders that played at LSU? It was horrible. Jamarcus Russell. Yeah, Russell, we learned from his career that the the purple dank or whatever it's called, <laughs> purple drink. The, is that the, no, the purple? I think like the scissor. Mackenzie. Yeah, scissor. Scissor. Yes, we've learned the scissor <laughs> is not good for NFL yeah. football. That's a technical term. <laughs> okay. Well, with Herbert, we're gonna we, we're learning something. Yeah. We'll figure out what that is at the end of the pod. AJ Hoffman. We have Scott Seidenberg, who's going to be an impartial participant. Though he does like to bust AJ's balls pretty bad, let's be honest. We got McKenzie, who is, let's be candid. I didn't know this when I asked him to sit in a little more aggressively. What is your record in the Super Contest? 21, 8, and 1. He's got that memorized, doesn't he? It's awesome. It? It's like his GPA the one time he was 4.0. It was like, yep, 4.0. <laughs> I mean, 4 and 1 this week. Your worst week was 3 and 2? 2, 2 and 1, week 2. Oh, that sucked. <laughs> so right at what point did you check the standings uh i was talking to scott pre-production did you... I, I didn't I, I i looked at last year's standing and i'm gonna be a game away from cashing in the week six contest but it's all good no, week no, nine's no. coming I, up i'm gonna ask you one more time what at what point did you look at the standings before the week was played and i knew they weren't up, weren't gonna update it till after the monday night so i didn't check again okay so are you have you checked since the monday night game i have not Okay. You, I mean, you could be in, like, what were you at? You were in 18th place coming into this week? Yep. And what do they pay, 100 now? Yeah, for the final 17 weeks, yeah. How smart was I to finance this? Very wise. 50-50 split, I hear. Huh? Oh, no, wait. We agreed on, what was the split? I think it's 50-50 after the first 10K. Okay. I think that's fair. I'm just trying to get dinner out of it. <laughs> well, you might want to come to me for that. <laughs> All right. I, I mean, the funny thing is, I and let's agree to this, Mackenzie, because 10 years ago in a different RJ, I would have been starting to be like, hey, look at these. Pay-. I've been very hands off. I've been, hey, if you want some of my stuff early or Fez's, you got it, but do what you do. It's appreciated. I definitely take in all your picks into I can't, account. I can't believe how stupid you were to have San Francisco. Oh, wait. No. <laughs> I will say this before we get started. By the way, Fez, I mean, this is unbelievable. I mean, he'll probably listen, but we just got to call a spade a spade. He's complaining again about his illness from a month ago. And I said, listen, take tonight off and please come Wednesday. Quit complaining. That's all I ask. We'll see if it happens. I was going to say, do you think that happens? We'll see. Okay. I think the odds increased from 1% to at least 3%. All right. That's all we can hope for. (laughs) He did send along some notes. So did you get those, Scott? Yep. Maybe you can be like the surrogate for those. (laughs) Okay. All right. But you can can complain like, I can't believe the Cowboys did it. You know. All right. But we're going to go dealer's choice around the horn. And by the way, McKenzie's not the only budding superstar here. So AJ, last year... On the on the dream preview, 
won the whole thing and was at, I don't know, what was your numbers last year? Uh, they were 58, 34, and 1. Uh, I was 39 and 18 on 5, 4, and 3 stars. All right, so th- let me see. Double 18 is 36. 39 is more than 36, so that means it's more than 67%. Yes. So 71% or something? Yeah. All right. That's five picks a week every freaking week. 70 plus percent. Now people might say fluke. I can hear it echoing. Fluke. Maybe. This year, how are you doing? 29 and one. You're not 29 and one. 20 dash nine dash one. So what'd you do this week? Uh three and two. My five, four, three all hit, and my my two low picks did not. Okay. So somehow, now now listen. Maybe I should complain about this. Maybe I shouldn't. I think I should. I, I The only games I lost the entire week, I lost San Francisco, McKenzie's team. All right? So I, I don't usually bet San Francisco. I said, listen, he likes them. The guy's hit 18th place. I'm going to play him. All right? Loser. And then I finally gave Herbert a chance. I said, her, and I was 4-1 and one on the dream preview picks. But Herbert loses it for me. Yes, it's going to be an interrogation. But because uh, AJ is killing it in the NFL, now we're getting on a year and a half here, right? I mean, the fluke, I don't know. Some, I mean, the fact he's above, any degree he's above me is a little fluky, <laughs> but it doesn't mean it's not good. You pick first, and then we'll go around the horn. The game that you think you've got the most insight into. Yeah, one of the games that I had as a winner, but at the end of it (laughs) felt like maybe it should not have been a winner, was Cincinnati minus two and a half uh, hosting Seattle. I did not feel like that was a clean win, I should say. Uh, Seattle dominated the stats 381 to 214 just in pure yards, 24 to 15 on first downs. I thought that... So let's take a look at what we do is the recalculation model, which we did a little regression analysis and said, how many yards equal how many points typically? How many first downs equal how many points? What is yards per play equal a certain YPP equals how many points? And what we projected here was it should have been Seattle 28-23, so a five-point Seattle win if you look at just the stats. Yeah, and that feels that feels about right to me. And the the first half and the second half both started off as poorly as it could if you were a Cincinnati backer. The first half starts off with Seattle going on a seven-and-a-half-minute drive that scores a touchdown, just a long, extended touchdown drive. And then two plays into the second half, you've got the ball. Joe Burrow throws an interception, and you're like, oh, crap, what is going on here? The, the thing that saved this bet was three times Seattle had goal to go and either got stopped on downs or had a turnover. So those, those opportunities, missed opportunities for Seattle, were really the difference in this game. Just so, caught, Turnovers coming at really costly times. So let's look at the red zone first of all. So that's inside the 20. Five times Seattle got into the red zone. They scored a touchdown once. Yeah. Four, quote-unquote, failures in the red zone. By the way, the Bengals, two for two, no failures, two touchdowns, two trips. Now, if you look at goal to go, right, so it's from 10 and in with a first down. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, if you're on the 15, or let's say you're on the uh, 14, and you throw down to the 6, eh, that's not goal to go yet. So, it doesn't, so it's that tight. 
that you're down there, well, what do we have here? We have the Bengals with two situations, two touchdowns, and amazingly, Seattle, five goal-to-goal, goal-to-go, and they only scored twice out of those. Uh, Five, and they scored twice. Not good. So I I think it is fair to say their struggles down deep, and maybe that's the whole point. I mean, obviously the stats were all in favor of Seattle, but one thing, you know, Let's get Scott's thoughts on this, but I got one caveat. Maybe we pull back a little bit with thinking it was such a domination. But go ahead, Scott. Well, you mentioned the five goal-to-go spots, and then they failed three out of the five times. But also, one of Geno's interceptions came inside the red zone. It wasn't a goal-to-go situation, but they were at the 18-yard line. Um, actually, that was a goal was to go goal situation. To go. They, got backed, they got backed up because of the penalty. So that was an interception on a goal-to-go situation. Yep. That 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 is... In terms of you know EPA, you want to talk about the impact that that one play has, taking away points from you and then leading to a drive for the opponent. Now, that does segue into what I consider to be maybe a caveat here, maybe a little bit of, hey, let's not go crazy. So McKenzie does good work with the EPA breakdown in which we look at line of scrimmage, turnovers, and then kicking. But when we talk about kicking, we're talking about kicking for points and then field position, which is kickoffs, punts, etc. Okay. In this game, Seattle only outscored EPA-wise at the line of scrimmage Cincinnati by little less than a point, less than one point. And then if you look at it, Seattle lost turnover-wise, they lost about five extra points. So if you think about it, if you win by one on line of scrimmage that doesn't consider turnovers and you lose by five on turnovers, well, that's the two key parts of the game. But, but here's the, not the flaw in EPA, but here's the caveat you have to understand, which is it's really agnostic to the game situation. In that the uh, game situation, it's not agnostic to. That's the wrong way to say it. It's not, it doesn't care about your chance to win the game. Points are points. So you're down by 41 and you, you you have an 80-yard screen pass, that's going to be plus 5 or 6 EPA, whatever that ends up being in that range. You know why? Because that was 5 points earned. Now, what those points matter to the game outcome is nothing. And that's why I'm a believer in if the game is not competitive, we do is we scale down those plays. So when we hear and we say the pregame EPA – a big chunk of the difference that we have versus what the pure EPA is, is if right now, McKenzie, it's what? If it's over 96% for one team, we knock it by 25%. Is that That's right. And then 50% for the next iteration, 20. Uh, then we knock it 75. And then if it's above 99, it's 0%. We don't yeah. count it at all. Mm. Um, now there's different ways to do that. Some people, you know, a lot of people get excited about, hey, I'm going to scale down garbage time. Usually, if you scale too much, it's less predictive, meaning the data isn't as valuable, but some scaling actually improves it. Uh, I think that's been proven, wouldn't you say, McKenzie? Yes. Though, again, back to the Pythagorean scoring margin, it says it doesn't matter what the score is. Every point equals the same, and nothing is more predictive than that that involves just scoring, right, just points. So it's interesting, for sure. Um, But really, effectively... 
the no noise model that we talk about from PFF, the Kevin Cole model we talk about, that is in the pregame EPA model is all just three different ways of saying what do we diminish because it doesn't predict the future as well. And they everyone does it a little differently, and that's why we give you a blend. All right. And that, so, that was one of our false outcomes or unexpected results based on the projections. Now, if you look at fourth quarter win share, which is effectively what's the chance to win throughout the fourth quarter, it doesn't matter how you got there, right? It can be lucky and not lucky. Seattle had a 32% chance to win the game, Cincy 68%. That's one of the uh, – that's the third biggest kind of chance to win and didn't of the week. But it does speak to, hey, they got lucky since he to get in this spot. But even there, there was a third of a chance of them losing yeah. the game. Yeah. So, I, again, I, part of my handicap on this was that Joe Burrow was back uh, based on what I saw in the Cardinals game. He clearly was not. Was not but, the but same guy. You ever hear about the guy that starts the car and sometimes it starts and sometimes it doesn't? And they'll say, like, if I'm smoking a cigarette, it will start. Yeah. Or if I got laid last night, it will start. You know, usually that's like the people, you know, I actually just heard something recently. So during WW2, we would, you know, the Americans took over islands that we were able to control and made them kind of like bases and stuff to, like, have the troops attack from or whatever. And there were natives on those islands that were, like, way back, you know, 500 years in the past. And we were flying these planes in and landing, and they couldn't believe it. And then they would bring out food, and it was like, look at this exotic food. And they were just, they got hooked. They loved it. Well, when we left, what they did was they kept the, air, the place for the planes to land, the runway and everything. They kept it well-maintained and sat and just watched and waited for planes to land. Because <laughs> they didn't understand why the planes were landing. They thought, well... We had it lit. We were sitting here waiting for them. And, like, for years they were waiting. Well, a lot of life is like that. That seems we can look and laugh. Ha, ha, those natives. We oftentimes think there's connections when there's not. Where It's just human. And in a weird way, that goes to the idea of what's the cost if we're wrong and what's the benefit if we're right. So, like, if, there's a, if you're in the woods and there's a rustling and you think, could that be a tiger? You know, maybe not. You walk, ah, that person gets eaten and their genes don't get passed on. But the ones that said, oh, it's rustling. I'm out of here and run the other way. <laughs> they actually were wrong most of the time, but they were right. Yeah. Right. So this is a lot of stuff as, as the logic of this stuff gets more and more prevalent in society. It's, it's fascinating to discuss. But, but I would make the point that oftentimes in football, too, we see connections that we don't really can justify. I don't know how much better Burrow was last two weeks ago, or you know, however you want to call that game against Arizona, or how much worse he was here. It's like they scored and won easily in one game. In this game, they got lucky. But do we really know how much of that is Burrow's health? No. Right? I mean, I don't know, you know. But I, as, as someone who's the hand, my, part of my handicap was Joe Burrow looked like old Joe mm-hmm, Burrow. Mm-hmm. To see him pl- not look like old Joe Burrow was very disheartening for me, especially when I'm sweating a game that I thought I shouldn't have won. So the question is, why doesn't he look like the right. old Joe Burrow? And who knows? And Well, they get a week off now, and it, we're going to know a lot about him when he comes back. Their next two games are at San Francisco and home to Buffalo. So it, we'll see if Joe Burrow's back or not. Well, I tell you this. You think about that. Doesn't that make this win 
they if they lost this game, are they almost out of the playoff hunt? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, close to it. At one and three, there was a lot of people saying they were already out of it. Now at three and three, it feels like oh, who was manageable. saying who was saying that the, the get up people and things like they that. they were saying that since he has no chance to make the playoffs. Just that since I, I think a lot of the thought of it was if this is Joe Burrow, and then the Arizona game kind of changed people's mind because all of a sudden he didn't look like that Joe Burrow anymore. All right, so we got a rundown of Joe Burrow's games here, and it started with Cleveland and it was Seattle. I'm going to read the QBR first. So fifty is average. So 20, 61, 25, 14, 65, 36. So literally only two of these games above 36. Wow. And if you look at PFF, that doesn't really have any context, but 70 is a low-level starter, and he's only above 70 in two of the games. And it actually was the same. No, it's not the same two games. That's interesting. He got a 74 on one game in which he had a QBR of 25. But it goes to show you they're looking at just – like if Joe Burrow throws a perfect pass and it's dropped, PFF says, hey, it's a perfect pass. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what happened after. QBR says it's an incompletion. Exactly. And that's why QBR is more reliant on the team. Yeah. But even PFF admits their quarterback numbers are about 25% the team. They just can't extract it out. Mm-hmm. All right, good first game. Scott, try to keep up to that high level. What's your game of the choice? I'm going with the Giants and the Buffalo Bills because uh, I I was impressed. Oh, the Bills. I was impressed with the Giants. I really was. Uh, The offensive line's been in shambles. We know that. But I thought Tyrod Taylor filling in for Daniel Jones played as well as he could possibly play and put the Giants in a position to win the game. And a lot is going to be made of what happened at the end of the first half. As well it should. Yes, because if they would have gotten three there, then the Giants would have been in a position to kick a game-winning field goal at the end as opposed to needing the touchdown. So uh, at the end of the first half, the Giants had an opportunity, and it was an untimed down goal-to-go situation. And Tyrod Taylor, or Tyrod Taylor, whatever he wants to be called, checked out of a pass play. It wasn't an untimed down. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You're thinking of the end of the game. That yeah. was oh, the end of the game. So yeah. yeah, this was it was 14 seconds left, right. no timeouts. And just to be clear there, mm-hmm. you throw pass. So it was what, second down? or First and goal. All right. So at that point, you can get three plays off and a field goal if you go quick. Absolutely. So it's not just do we run, do we pass. If we run, we're risking, you know, the field goal. It's you're risking the field goal plus two other plays. Yes. So if you're ever going, if you're going to run in that spot, run on third down, mm-hmm. right? I mean, meaning it, that might be a tricky thing to do. Like you're risking seven to win. Th- yeah, or you, I, you don't run any play there because you just you can three passes into the end zone with 14 seconds left. It's either going to be a touchdown, an incompletion, maybe an interception, but three passes into the end zone or out of the back of the end zone if you don't see anybody open. Yeah, and they're going to have to be a first or second read because you don't. Yeah. Well, it can't be a seven-second play. But you know what? If it's a seven-second play, you only get one more play. Exactly. Right? And you just make sure the third down play isn't, right? But, but it's a to, quick slant or something. To check out of a pass play into a running play where Saquon Barkley gets stuffed at the goal line and then the credit the Bills defenders for laying on top of him, which is what you're taught to do, the Giants don't get back up to the line of scrimmage. You're saying the Bills cheated, but it's no, just it's, good it's, cheating. It, that's just smart football. Like, why Why am I going to rush to get off of you when I tackle you when the clock's running? And so they didn't get a playoff. And it cost them, at the very least, it cost them three points. And they lose the game by five. And so when you look at the projected margins of this game, and, and our pregame projected margins have the Giants winning, uh, uh, Buffalo winning by three. 
So well, not- let's be clear here. So if you look at the recalculation, mm-hmm. we've got, uh, and that's just the stats, Giants by six, right? Yep. And then Kevin Cole actually says Bills by three. We actually have Bills by more than that. And then the PFF uh, in, the, in our pregame uh, EPA. And then we've got our, uh, or the PFF noise cancel says Giants by five. So I would make the case that that, that the uh, these guys projecting is about 50-50, meaning it's an mm-hmm. even game. But statistically, the Giants won that, or they 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 uh, were superior statistically. Yeah, I think that's for sure. Yeah, penalties I thought were big uh, for the Giants, but they also didn't turn the football over, and the Bills did. So I'll, maybe that evens out in terms of the, the stat evaluation when you look at turnovers and penalties for for both teams. But I just looked at that. I mean, obviously the Bills didn't cover a massive spread in this one, but I thought the Giants should have won this game. I mean, I think the play that at the end of the first half really decided whether or not they were going to pull the upset or not. You, you, it, when you're a big dog like that, mm-hmm. and you make that poor of a decision, it's hard to to have an upset win. But even let's talk about the final play of the game now. So the Giants, they throw. The, it's an incompletion that becomes a pass interference penalty. 50-50 call. I'm okay if you call it. I'm okay if you don't call it. They called it, which gave the Giants an untimed down from the goal line, and they tried to throw it to Waller again. This one was probably more of an egregious pass. It was definitely more egregious. That did not get called. And who's to say, even if it was called, that the Giants do score on that next play? But to put yourself in a position to score a touchdown from the one-yard line on one play, to me, again, I thought the Giants had more than enough opportunities to win that football game. In an unrelated note, in our composite of PFF and uh, QBR, tied for first, Josh Allen is the best quarterback in football. What WTF? <laughs> and tied with Jared Goff. Huh. And two is third. Mahomes is fourth. Huh. Who's got Goff? RJ Bell. And Etua? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. And somehow, I, I guess they don't put like clutch play into these stats, do they, McKenzie? Well, this isn't updated for Monday Night Football. Okay, Herbert. Herbert w- was seventh coming into this. Guessing he falls a little. Brock Purdy dropping like a rock. But we'll hear McKenzie's thoughts on that. It is interesting. Giants at the end of the half. Now, this feels punitive to me. It feels like it's too much, but they said that play lost them five. Point two points. That's what I wanted to know. That's, That's too much. That's too much. That's too because, much. Because okay. I mean, think about it. Even if you take a, I mean, what your odds aren't. I mean, you're only getting seven points because the theory is you're going to make the extra. It's like you get like six point eight points mm-hmm. or six point nine. You're saying the odds were like five point two divided by six point nine chance of scoring a touchdown there. It's I mean, too much. You presumably have three shots from the two yard line, yeah, right? Yeah, still. Not if you're Mike McCarthy. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, even if you let's say you have two and a half shots, because I think if you get off, if if you if you jostle the quarterback at all and he's got a roll, you're probably not going to want to take a chance on that last one. Mm-hmm. So let's say you have two and a half, two and a half with no time considerations, you're going to score a good bit. What yard line were they on exactly? Two. two. Okay, but the I because it was a passer. Oh no, that no, was no. at the end of the game. Yeah. Okay, but the idea that you're going to score like almost what eighty percent of the time. That seems too high to me. Okay. But, again, the one area EPA is a little flawed on is when the clock's involved because there's just not enough sample size for it to know exactly based on history. Right. It doesn't expect a run play right there. Well. <laughs> based on history. <laughs> no yeah. one expected it. Well, yeah. the Bills, they, they, they defended it. So, obviously, they expected something. 
Any thoughts on this, uh, McKenzie? The whole game? I'll t- I'll say Monday Night Football. Everyone's going to give crap to Mike McCarthy for kicking a field goal with 10 seconds left and letting it run down. I understand why. I feel bad for Tyrod Taylor. You're in a you're under center. If a guy comes out and sacks you, the game the half's over. You think it's a better idea to do a run play based on the defense you're looking at. I, I don't think they should have well, given him that option. That's the question, though, right? And and I don't think we've gotten the answer yet. Is did Dayball? Well, Dayball threw him under the bus. He did. I know, but yeah. did, but he answered the question in a way. I don't know if you can pull the quote, mm-hmm. but he said something like, "Yeah, on that play, he knows that he should just pass." But the question was, was he told in the moment, "Don't check to the run here. Do not check to the run. Don't deviate." Like, the, does the, the, does, the <laughs> does the actual play call have a check to the run? Well, built it did into have it. a check yeah. in the run, but you can say that's not valid. Right. But you got to tell him before the play. Yeah, here's what he said. Had a play called run action pass play and ended up alerting it to a run. They get it off. First hit. Just by that. Yeah. You couldn't run the ball that one. Yeah, there was, there was good commu- there was communication. See, that bullshit. <laughs> I mean, what, what you're going to find out is we told him in practice, we always say this and if you know, blah, blah, blah. But he didn't say, I told him right before the play. But can we also agree, Tara Taylor's been in this league for like 10 years. I, I don't Listen, know. Listen, there's two. Have you ever heard? Did you watch? Because Fez made a point to adjust his power rankings around it. Did you watch the show on Netflix? Yeah. I, okay. Yeah, I watched right. it. Yeah. So you got a feel for when they're coming in saying like it's like a set. I mean, AJ, when you when you're introducing a game you know you're gonna introduce, sometimes it takes you three seconds to get to it, is the idea that you're having to think about 18 things at once. Yeah. Like they try to make it robotic, right? They try to make it where he's not thinking. But now if you say it's changed because of game situation. But there was that one moment in the show, and, and maybe this is defending Tara Taylor. I don't know. But there was the one moment in the show where Kirk Cousins uh, made a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Like they, they rushed up and he, call, he called the, the play. The game. And when he goes to the sideline, Kevin O'Connell's like, "Why? I wish you would have called timeout and let me help you. Like, mm-hmm. let me, like, mm-hmm. like I, we could have talked it over. Like, I had a play. I had a play here. And Kirk's like, oh, man, it's my bad. I well, saw the all, look. I checked called, out. If he had a play, he could have called timeout. <laughs> yeah. They didn't right? have any timeouts. Oh, then how could he call timeout? He's <laughs> no, started... but no, I'm saying it, what, what in that instance, what Kirk Cousins is that. Oh, in the in the moment, Cousins saw a look. He checked out of something, and it was a bad play. Uh-huh. And the coach was saying, "Why didn't you call? Like, I could have given you a play." But but the, you, uh, a head coach can call a timeout. I'm saying in the Minnesota. Oh, in scenario, Minnesota, yes, I guess. Call, yeah, Kevin O'Connor. Well, because he didn't yeah. see what Kirk was seeing. I yeah. guess. But, but then how did he know immediately that he had a you're, play? You're right. Court? You're right. But right. so I guess I was trying to defend Tyra that maybe he's just thinking about a million. Like he's just in the moment and he sees the defense and he goes alert, alert. Yeah. And then Ar- hands the ball off. Exactly. RJ used the word that Collinsworth used, which is robotic. When you see a certain look and you have a run option, you've been studying all week. Oh, they're putting two to the left of the center. I guess it's run. You don't want to call a play into a blitz and get sacked. And my point with you, AJ, was everyone in their own – I mean, it, let's just say this. There's not many dumb, successful quarterbacks. Like, back in the day, there were. There really were. In the 70s, I don't know, you know? It seems like there were some dumb quarterbacks. These days, the dumb quarterbacks don't even – I mean, it doesn't matter how physically good they, or strong they are. They don't seem to succeed. Yeah. Right? So, now, again, Taylor – has probably been given – I'm not saying I know this for a fact, so let me be very explicit. I have no idea what his football IQ is. I have no idea what his 
you know, Stanford Benet IQ is. I don't know. But I do know he has not been given many chances. Meaning Buffalo, before they drafted Josh Allen, think about this now, they went to the playoffs with Taylor as the quarterback. And they said, hey, congratulations, you're out of here. <laughs> right? It's not often a team that's, like, that you would think they'd be like, huh? I mean, that would be very analogous to Daniel Jones. What he, those, you know, what he did last year, they signed him to a $40 million deal, and the Bills at the time said, good luck, right? He was in Houston, right? Yep. And then he really it was the point that, that, that Davis Mills was starting games later in the year that was like they both were healthy because yeah. it started out Taylor was healthy. Then he got hurt. Mills came in, did okay. Mm-hmm. And then obviously we know what happened with the Chargers, right? So my gut feeling is these are the things he's not good at because physically – he seems to have the bases covered. He's not yeah. a great passer, but is he any worse passer he's than Daniel Jones? Serviceable. I mean, he's he's fine. Yeah. So it strikes me this maybe is what behind the scenes frustrates these coaches. Yeah. Perhaps. But I'm not sure. Where'd he go to college? Virginia Tech. Sixth okay. round pick out of Virginia Tech. I don't know anything about it. I mean, is that a good school? I mean, I know it's not an Ivy League school. Yeah, but I don't, I'm not sure. No. <laughs> All right. Anything else on this one? All right, Mackenzie, you're going to go next. What is your game? Oh, okay. Or I, I can go if you want me to, whatever you want. I was fascinated by the Raiders-Patriots game, a game that I thought might be lower scoring because both of these teams have much better success rates than they actually have offenses or EPA, meaning they don't get any big plays. And the Patriots in and you, this game— And you figure that equates to scoring? That equates to less scoring, long, oh, okay. methodical drives. I was what was what I was thinking. Okay, so wouldn't you say that's what happened? Yeah. Okay. And the, and so you're just letting us know you were right. I just got to sneak that in there. <laughs> but I think that the takeaway from this game is the Patriots, whatever that effect is, that they're doing okay on offense but not succeeding enough. It happened big time in this game because they won the success rate battle handily. Yeah, but if we look at our projected score, it was twenty nine twenty three. So that's 52 points. That that seems to be a lot of scoring, right? So actually the stats say that the, the 21-17 was under, you know, underperforming. How does that account for the quarterback going out of the game? It doesn't because okay. it's looking at how many yards did you gain? How many first downs? How, what was your yards per play? How many turnovers? Gotcha. You know, so we have – there's an equation with that. Right, McKenzie? Yes, and I have all, all the all the well, splits. I, of no, how we I understand. Got but what I'm okay. saying is those numbers we trust. We got a history on them. We got regression analysis that says right. they're ac- or generally accurate. Yeah. And this is saying 52 points. So maybe you were wrong. Are you pointing out <laughs> that even you are wrong sometimes? Yes. Okay. That's what I learned from this game. The fourth quarter win share said only a 16% chance New England would win the game. But maybe AJ, you can set up how. The, and most people saw it, so let's do it quick. Is how did the safety affect the cover. 1917 Raiders, a minute 45 left. Raiders are up two. Most people had three as the number. Or even Most two of and a half. There was yeah. two and a half. So uh, Patriots are looking good. They got the ball. You're hoping no pick six. That's all you're hoping for. Mm-hmm. Or no safety. And that's what happened. Mac Jones sacked in the end zone 21 17 uh, Raiders, and that would be the final score. There's not a. Bad play that Mac Jones won't make. 
<laughs> I mean, what, if it's a safety, it's the one thing lose, he's elite yeah. at. <laughs> if, if there's a safety to lose a cover, I mean, he's right there. What's crazy is like before that safety happened on the second down play because it was second and eleven, and there was a minute fifty nine left. He threw an absolute dime down the sideline to Devontae Parker that Devontae Parker dropped off of his hands. He dropped the football. He was surprised the ball was there. (laughs) He he honestly might have been surprised the ball was there. What the hell is going on? It's coming straight out. It was a perfect pass. The announced team, it's like it blew their mind that he threw a pass like this. They were like, that's the best throw Mac Jones has had all day. It's like if a dog walks in and starts talking algebra up at the chalkboard. (laughs) I mean, it's like, what are you going to do? You're going to act like it's normal? It went, But right after that incompletion was the delay of game, and oh, then the, and then like, the safety. It looks like, like a 30-yard pass. I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't a good no, one. It would have gotten them to the positive 40, and they only needed a well, field goal. That's because the guy rolled like 15 yards. All right, so beyond the 50, <laughs> It was like a 35-yard yeah. nice pass. Let's see. Oh, that is that almost looks like the Giants-Manningham play. It's that right wasn't on that close to the sideline. The Manningham, oh, yes, play, the Manningham play was right on the sideline. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's like five feet. Yeah, okay. Well, look, that sideline's pretty close. Look but at this. Look at that. That's got to be caught. No, oh. it, it's that basket. dropped it right in. <laughs> that, that's the best role Mac best Jones has made all year. Ever made. Well, maybe we could, maybe Pats would get two Super Bowls like Eli. <laughs> <laughs> well, that play was uh, something, though. Wow. That, that, uh, that's what, the what, best, it's the best Super, Super Bowl throw I've ever seen. Well, let's not go crazy. <laughs> you know, find me, well, maybe all right, Big Ben to Santonio Holmes on the sideline. Oh, that maybe. that's maybe. 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 <laughs> um, I will say this. Now, let me get this straight. Was Manningham was the second Super Bowl, Correct. right? I, you know what might be the best pass, Super Bowl pass ever? You could guess for 100 years you won't – well, 100 guesses you won't get it. It's the first time the Giants beat them when the Patriots got the ball back with like 22 seconds. Yeah, and oh, what, right Moss beyond got, Randy Moss's fingertips. Right down the yes. left side. Yeah. It was like 70 yards that, in the that, air. You're, you're right, you're right. <laughs> you're right. That was the greatest pass I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, it's like Tom Brady did it. It was like the reason he came back from 28-3 or yeah. whatever was he's, he was just laser focused. Like he doesn't carry the helmet catch. He's like, I'm good. And Moss was like striding like an antelope. He beat him right off his fingertips. Oh, man. Yeah. If he would have caught that and just went right in the end zone, it would have been the craziest and thing. And it would have completed the perfect season. Like it was just <laughs> incredible. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm happy that didn't happen. As much as I like Belichick enough already, all right? I mean, we didn't need that. And plus, we don't want the Dolphins toasting at the end. I mean, what's going to happen when the last one's alive? I don't is know. Gonna, they, they, toasted, gonna, they toasted this weekend. That's the, true. Two undefeated teams. Is, it, is yeah. he going to sit? Is that dude going to be in? Remember, like, at the end of The Irishman, where, like, De Niro's <laughs> in the home? <laughs> <laughs> Who's there to protect? <laughs> I guess it's Mercury Morris is, like, the last guy, like, stand, he's the, the famous one that, you know, everyone yeah. always talks about. But he's, he's 76 years old now. He's like, you can refer this to my attorney. He's been dead for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> the attorney pops the champagne. <laughs> All right. So if we look at the actual recalculated result, McKenzie, is – it does have the Raiders winning by six and a half points. So maybe break that one down because statistically, well, why don't you break that one down for us? Yeah, it's Raiders kind of edged them in each statistical category. YPP, they were two points better. Yards, they were three points better. First downs was about even, point, a half point better. Uh, turnovers was about even, and so was sack yardage. So on, yeah, this is a different a deviation from 
stats versus EPA and and some of the other uh, luck factors that we're looking at. On the on paper, yeah, Raiders were better. Yeah, so. And that's important to understand. On one hand, the recalculation is saying we don't care how lucky it was, but what were the underlying stats? What did they? What should they have yielded a win or a loss? But then what we do in the other one, and Kevin Cole does and PFF Noise Cancel does, is say, okay, what's repeatable? If it's not repeatable, we don't care. So that helps us predict the future. And in that case, they have New England winning the game. Uh, Kevin Cole did, and we did it, the pregame EPA. And then uh, PFF had a slight win by the Raiders. Anything else? Oh, go ahead, Scott. Raiders had six red zone attempts and five red zone failures. (laughs) And that's why the stats are going to look better because the underlying stats, if you go 98 yards and get stuffed on fourth down, Mm -hmm. you got zero points. But on this, you get 98 yards. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, that's the ultimate question is – if we assume all yards are created equal, who did better, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Garoppolo leaves the game. Hoyer comes in. Uh, Fez has Hoyer at a minus four in his quarterback rankings compared to Jimmy G as a minus one. So a three-point adjust. Yep. Boy, that doesn't give Jimmy G much love, does it? No, it doesn't. Patriots, um, let's think about this now. Wow. Their streak on oh, – they've gone four straight under. You know, some of these under – I mean, there was only two teams – or two games that went over in one push this weekend. And I guess, I guess the Dallas game went under too, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there was a Monday, there's a primetime under trend that's obviously hot. Mm-hmm. We're talking multiple years. But then you got a team like the Saints. I think they've gone under like 15 out of 16 or some variation yep. of that. Well, you, 12 straight now. Is that all right? So you got to wonder. It's like the lead's going under. Now, the question is how much adjustment do we have? Because I'm looking at the early lines. Now, remember, it was just two years ago that, that you hardly ever saw a total in the 30s. Now, Falcons-Bucks, 38-and-a-half. Raiders-Bears next week, 37-and-a-half. Colts-Browns, 39. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at the first three on rotation schedule. How much well, of that? Well, even the uh, Jack Saints, 39. 39-and-a-half in some spots. Do you think that's more of there's something with the, the way – games are being called or the way that coaches are calling games or is it quarterbacks now are worse than they were three or four years ago I don't think it's any of that I think that this too high approach of saying you are not going to get explosive plays you're going to have to execute on a long long drive I think we're seeing that that is very effective but let's think about this a second if you do that outside of the 20, outside of the red zone defensively. And then when you're in the red zone, you play another defense, which is, hey, we don't care about getting behind us because there is no behind us effectively. I don't know. I mean, in a weird way, the offense has to be able to do both to succeed. Like you have to be effective, dinking and dunking, to get inside the 20. But then when the defenses shift – it's like you've got to be effective now that there's more press coverage, there's a tighter spot. It doesn't seem like many of these offenses can be good at both of them. Maybe it's easier to be good at defense in both of them because they really are contrary approaches, right? Yeah, seems like the Dolphins haven't figured out. That is true. But let's look at let's just look at red zone and look at some of these teams, right? So how many red zone failures were there? And I'm just going to go down the list here. Is uh, there were uh, Browns won. San Fran won, so not bad. Uh, Tampa Bay had two failures. I mean, Tampa Bay was 0 for 2. 
and and the Lions were 0 for 2. There's one game, there's four trips to the red zone, not one touchdown scored. Raiders, we said, five failures in the red zone. Patriots, none, no failures. Um, they, they were 2 for 2. And then check this out, Rams, Arizona, three failures by the Rams, Three by Arizona. Rams or uh, Ravens Titans had three by the Titans, five by the Ravens. So I mean, these are possession after possession, and, and you look at the number of red zone trips. It feels like it should be more scoring. Yeah. And and with all these fourth downs, sometimes they're coming away with zero points. It's not just three or seven. It's often zero. Well, it's one one thing they've talked about on the broadcast a lot is these teams that have these wide open offenses. Sometimes when they get in these like first and goal situations. Their offense is not as effective when they don't have as much field to work with. They, no, it, it, it's no doubt tougher because, in a way, they're lulling, lulling them to sleep by saying, "Okay, you want a six-yard in, go for it. We're going to try to strip the ball." You know, this is um, McKenzie puts up on the board here the lowest scoring year since 2006. Right now, uh, 21.7 points, and. Um, Oh, no, these are the lowest scoring years, all within two-tenths of a point. It was 2009, 2017, 2023, all around this year, 21.7, and that's going all the way back to 2006. There hasn't been a lower scoring year than those, and it's all right there within a tenth of a point. Last year was 21.9, which was down. Now, what was 20 and 21? Because, I mean, I'm thinking 20... 20 might have been the highest scoring year. Yeah, 20 was the highest year. It was 25 per game. That wow. was the COVID no fan year. 25 Some people thought it was easier versus, on offenses. So it's 3.3 yeah. points a game different. Per team. Yeah. Per team, yeah. Per team. That's a good point. Six point, oh my God, the mark of the devil, 6.6. 6. <laughs> <laughs> if it's point six, run. You know. <laughs> All right. But, I mean, yeah, we can keep – I mean, we talked about Seattle, Cincinnati, four failures – by Seattle in the red zone. Saints had three. Texans had two. I mean, it's a lot. But then again, look at the Dolphins, five for five. Yes, yes. And I, and I think it has to do with motion. And I think it's the teams that run motion down at the goal line, down in the red zone, are the teams that are finding success. So Sumner, Sport, uh, Sumer, I think they call it, um, they did a study, or one of the guys on one of their pods said, for years, it was motion plays versus non-motion plays. Motion plays were just better EPA-wise. This year and last year, it's been either a toss-up or even last year I think was a slight negative. So I think in general – now maybe in the red zone, different. Mm-hmm. But in general, I think the league's kind of caught up to the motion. But I don't know about the red zone stuff. But I also think it's personnel-driven when you mm-hmm. have – Tyreek Hill and Devon A. Chan when he's healthy. You know, the, the five highest recorded speeds in the NFL are all on the Dolphins, and but you're running that motion. Become, but doesn't that become less important in a in a phone booth down inside the red zone? No, because what play did we see the, the Chiefs master and become so effective at uh, last year? It was, it was the motion, stop, and then go and catch that wide open pass because the defender's running with you, and then you stop and you turn around. And I think these little pop passes on the motion runs and just using that motion as a deception to then hand the ball off to the running back. You're just moving the defense because they have to account for the guy running in space because when you're that close to the goal line and you have Tyreek Hill going in motion, if, if, if Tua just leads him on a pass, he's beating you to the corner, to the pylon. Well, let's just say whatever the reason this week, seven times they were goal to goal. And seven times they scored. Yeah. So that's pretty strong. That's pretty strong. Um, one last 
conceptual comment. So if you think about every set of downs as a possession, or I'm sorry, as a, um, not a possession, but a series, a series of downs. Yes. Thank you. Um, it's always better to not have to go to fourth down and go for it. And it's better not to go to third down. The best teams get a lot of first on first down and they get a lot of first on second down. Because if you do that, and as Mike Lombardi says, play Canadian football with it, then it's hard to give the ball up. If you don't turn it over, you're going to score every time, right? Not every time, but you know what I'm saying. It's the same thing with the red zone. If you don't get to the red zone, it's the best thing if you score. You score a 35-yard touchdown, there is no red zone struggles. But the defense has figured that out, and thus we get this a lot of yards between the eight. See, I'd wonder if we look at the yards gained this season per point. I bet the yards per point is way up compared to prior seasons. In fact, I can do that and talk about it on our Thursday morning pod, uh, the Dream Preview, because I, 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 I'm going to guarantee it that that's the case. You got this, McKenzie, on another source? Uh, PF, PFR has their yearly yards and stats, so I was just looking at Yeah, yeah, it. that'd be interesting. Just maybe just look at a couple years and just do that simple. You can download it by Excel and drag it. And, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, so we'll get a report before the end of this pod. There you go. Okay, next game, it's my pick. I'm going to give a Super Bowl bet. So I'm going to go to that game first, and it's going to be the Detroit Lions. Now, let me tell you something. I gave Detroit as a best bet, but I got to you know Saturday night. I didn't even like it anymore. And again, it's one of those things. You get new information. There were so many sharps on Tampa. And some of it was driven by, and this is something to keep in mind, when a team has a buy and the other team doesn't, there's a lot. I mean, there's data that says it's about a two, three point or two and a half point edge. So Tampa, for example, and now there's different scenarios where it's more or less important. But I'll tell you right now, um, if you looked at it, and then you looked at Tampa's offense and defense and how consistently good or relatively good they were, it, it got me second thinking. Well, Detroit came in and they're just professional level, dispatched them. Same thing they've been doing now to me for weeks. Now, their new tight end, did he play in the Laporta, game? Laporta, no. Sam Laporta. Yeah. So one week, St. Brown's, oh, I don't think he, I know he was he was real banged up. I don't yeah. know. Did he play? Oh, he did play. How many catches did he have? Four for 36. Okay. So well, see, he was supposed to not play going in, and he, I guess he was like a game time decision. He was made it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So either way, I mean, Detroit comes in in a tough spot, and they win the game. I mean, like laying three on the road when you're a team that's not used to laying three on the road. I'm impressed. And if you really think about it, what if you play the 49ers, if you play the Eagles, what are you cuz if they get to the Super Bowl, right now you can get them 13 to 1. I'm going I'm saying Super Bowl pick 13 to 1 on the lines. I'm batting it. What's the worst they're going to be in a Super Bowl? Even right now against Kansas City, they'd probably only be two and a half. Like, forget the fact that them getting to the Super Bowl means they had to be very impressive along the way. So you can easily hedge out of that, you know, get almost six and a half to one if you don't want that exposure. So now the question is six and a half to one or so to win the NFC. Are we sure? What we know is 49ers healthy is a good team. Mm -hmm. No doubt. A really good, maybe the best team in the league. But as we see, McCaffrey hasn't been healthy Mm -hmm. very often for full seasons. 
And some of the other players, they're a very physical team. Well, you know what? That hurts you sometimes too. Okay. So now if even McCaffrey's out and it's Detroit at San Fran, is the line, let's say it's the championship game of the NFC, what's the line? Three, three and a half? Yeah, that's probably about right. I think right now it'd be higher. But again, we're assuming Detroit goes to – Continues to develop. Yeah. Now, if you take McCaffrey, I mean, so to me, it feels like we're getting much better odds, but I'm not sure that Detroit isn't better than Dallas. I think to me, mm-hmm. that's the comparison. And I think Detroit might be better than Dallas. I think Detroit's certainly better than Dallas. Yes. I, I think Detroit's the second best team in the NFC today. And so, well, sorry. So why, why aren't you giving this pick? I, I think it's a good pick. I uh, know, but I'm asking you, why didn't you? Like, I, that's the whole point. Because I, I don't bet on Super Bowl futures. Like, I, but I, I'm not, I think it's a very wise pick given the value. And he, he, here's why the, the Lions are number two. In DVOA, they're top five in offense and defense. They're only behind San Francisco. DVOA says they're better than Buffalo, better than Miami, better than Kansas City, better than Baltimore. So they're better than all these teams but the Niners. And when you really look at it, we the thought on this team coming into the season was their offense is going to be good. But if their defense is league average – they can be they can win that division. That was kind of the thought going into the season. Well, their defense is one of the best in the league so far. So and their offense is continuing to be good. So they're elite on both sides of the ball right now. They're just called the Detroit Lions. I if, agree. If they were called the Green Bay Packers, oh my God, they'd be nine to one, eight to one. Wow. I, I think you're getting good value on them because they're a team that never wins. The one place that I would be concerned is if they had to go to Philadelphia in the playoffs. If well, you have to go on the road, cold weather, outdoors, and that's a fair. I, I don't know what to think about this team. But if they have to go to Dallas and play indoors, you like them. But if they're but home, here's the you question: like as them. of right now, mm-hmm. first of all, there's no scenario they'd ever go to. Da- I guess if Dallas wins a division, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just looking at the top teams in the NFC yeah. where they would play. Obviously, at home, you like them against anybody. Yeah. In San Francisco, odds are the weather's not going to be bad. But yeah, if they have to go to Philadelphia, which looking at the standings, Philly and Seattle are like the only places that they would ever have to go to if, you, if you're looking at just good teams in the NFC. Mackenzie, put up um, – thank you for the Super Bowl odds. Can you put up Philly's schedule? They have the most difficult run of games I've ever seen. Uh, I Like literally I ever have seen. So make it bigger, please. All right, so here, here's the lineup. All right, so they lose to the Jets. All right, they play – Oh, man. Uh, they play against the Dol, or they're playing at home against the Dolphins. Okay, then they go to Washington. I right, not so bad. Dallas. Okay, so they're at home against Dallas, at Kansas City, at home against Buffalo, at home against San Francisco, at Dallas, at Seattle. I mean, that I don't know if I've ever seen anything that hard. Battle tested. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or battle beaten or battle down in the yeah. So I got to be honest with you. What is, what's the, I know it might take a minute. What's the Dallas to win the division odds? Because I'm telling you, that schedule, I've never seen anything like it. So what I'm saying is, I'd be shocked. I'm almost going to say not shocked, but I think there's a hell of a chance. Uh, that Detroit is the second seed. Uh, looking at their schedule, I agree with you. So you want to run it down real quick? Yeah, at Ravens is their next game. Tough they, game. Uh, home Raiders, at Chargers, home Bears, home Packers, at Saints, at Bears, Broncos, at Vikings, at Cowboys, home Vikings. I mean, there's really like hardly any tough. There's I like mean, three games that you're yeah. like, oh, okay, that's a tough game. So I think 
I, I've often talked about a timber moment. I'm starting to hear this talk of the last. This is going to be less than 10 to 1 within 10 days. If we were doing a college-style rankings mm-hmm. in the NFL. So, so that's being who's performed well up to this point. Yeah, if we're doing a college-style rankings, I mean, right now, because of the losses by San Francisco and Philadelphia, you'd probably have Detroit and Miami as one and two in the rankings. Yeah, I think right there, the quiet, especially in college because the team that loses last gets yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm saying. A college-style rankings, Detroit's number one. Like, AP poll for the NFL, Detroit's number one in the nation. That's right a, that's an interesting that, that 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 is interesting. So um, let's see Tampa here. I'm just trying to look at some of the stats that matter. So it was twenty huh twenty to six. It's pretty good. Um, hmm. All right. So our recalculation says uh, do, 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 that in that game Detroit won by almost fi- over fifteen points. Wow. Everyone has them win. I mean, this was, I mean, we can talk. I mean, I actually think Tampa is a little underrated the more I dug into them. Uh, if you look at line of scrimmage, yeah, they won line of scrimmage by 18 points. I mean, and when you play the best teams, when you play at San Francisco, you've got to worry about their offensive and defensive line. Well, I would make the case Detroit has a better offensive line than San Fran. And they have a good defensive line. You know, I would say that the distance that Detroit's over the San Fran defense or offensive line is about the same that San Fran's over Detroit on the defensive line. It's probably like a full increment, but that's it, you know, where against a bad team, it might be three or four increments. Heading into this week, the Lions, according to PFF, the number two ranked offensive line in football. Yeah. And, and, and where's the 49ers at? Like 12th, 11th? Yeah, they're down the list. Yeah. So, again, listen, San Fran's a hell of a team. If I could have a, a, a free roll on any team right now, I think I'd want them. Because my, my other choices would be Kansas City, but I just think they're they're, they're leaking oil right now, and I, I know they can always do it. They're but 13th for the 49ers. Yeah. I know they can always do it, but, okay, Miami doesn't have a defense, so I'm, and you got Tua who's still fragile. Philly, there's something wrong with them. I don't know what. Buffalo, there's something wrong. I mean, yeah. I well, would Buffalo's th- got major injuries on the defensive side. Which aren't going to get, get better. Yeah, exactly. And I think they did, you know, they played a good, I I think I was right. Obviously. That was a great call by you, yeah, I was going to say. The defense was there. Yeah. You know, it was just, again, Josh Allen, though he's tied for one, he's erratic. If I had Let's told, segue to that game. If I had told you the Giants were going to score nine points, well, Scott did that game already, but if I oh, if I told you the Giants were we? going to score nine points, huh. wouldn't you have thought Buffalo well, Why covers? didn't he have to answer for Josh Allen more? <laughs> so, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on the Bills? Uh, they are, I, I think what you said, leaking oil is a good term for it. I think not taking a bye after the London trip, I, I think people are learning this season that's it's a bad call. Like it was a, a bad decision by Buffalo. They mishandled the travel. They looked the same way to start this game that they looked when they went out to, to London late last week. They just started like they had never played offense before. Ever since they lost that 13-second game, they've always been thinking until we get to that level again, none of this really matters. I mean, they can go almost go under, and I think it's too many years of this pressure to get to some future game where you've got to worry about the next on to Cincinnati. It's possible. It felt that way. It, fe- it felt 
the opposite of that in the Miami game. It because felt like it, they were it focused. Got, it got them like, up. Yeah. Right? But you got to get up for 17 games mm-hmm. or at least 14 or 15. Yeah. So, all right. So, well, that was quick on the Giants. No, okay. I guess we were more focused on on the Tyrod de- you know, uh, decision and all that. Okay. So, let's just go down rotation, and we'll go quicker on these other games. Casey, Denver. I mean, the turnovers for Denver – were uh, they lost about 11 points more than Kansas City. The line of scrimmage actually was just two points better. So KC, more than any other team, wins games, but they don't cover. Though in this one, they did cover by a half a point or so. And um, there was a couple trends that really were pro-Denver that that KC. So in a weird way, listen, if you can win by 11 and you don't play your best game— yeah, you got to feel pretty good, but that offense, I don't I don't see it. Well, one of the things I talked about after the game, I, I tweeted this is Kansas City's defense is better than their offense this season. Mm, I, I, statistically and, so far, yeah. And they have the best quarterback in the world on their team, which makes me feel like they're going to figure out the other side of the ball eventually. The offense is eventually going to click because they have Patrick Mahomes on their team. Have yeah. they pl- have they played their best game yet? I don't, I don't think, think so. not even close. No. Well, I mean, you could say the best game was against um, crushing the Bears. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. I that mean, was the Bears. He, he, here's the thing on KC, in my opinion, if their defense reverts and the offensive problems continue, this is a losing the division round kind of team. If the offense can get to the Mahonesian level and the defense is legit, this should be the Super Bowl favorite, and it should be clear. I just don't know which one it is. And I think most likely it's going to be some hybrid. Listen, let's not lose sight of something. They were lucky to win it last year. Hey, sometimes you win lucky ones. When the Steelers won against Arizona, just that whole – remember, they played the Jets in that championship game, and the Jets beat the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Patriots would have had home field. No way Pittsburgh goes in to New England and wins that game. And if Mark Sanchez doesn't throw that pick six at the end of the first half, the Jets win. Well, I, I can't imagine that. I can't even comprehend <laughs> But what I'm saying is that you sometimes you win lucky ones, but Kansas City, that was a lucky one for them. And I don't know. I, I think what they did with Tyreek Hill was going to keep them competitive. I'm not sure it lets him win many titles, at least for the foreseeable future. But I don't know who the impeccable team is or the bulletproof team is. I think it's the 49ers if they stay healthy. I agree. I think they're the only one if they stay healthy. So let's talk about that game, Mm -hmm. unless we got anything else on this uh, Thursday. Um, Mackenzie, what's your main takeaway from the San Fran game? Brock Purdy looked like Jimmy Garoppolo. He had a bad game. He had uh, some... Looked like he was pressing, throwing into tight windows that he, that he couldn't have when other things were more open. That's usually what he's good at, taking the best possible decision, even if it's a four-yard gain. Um, so I, it well, felt – here, here, yeah. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. It felt right before that final kick that was like, this is the best possible way to get your lumps in the NFL, have a bad weather game, but still have a fourth-quarter drive to win Bad it. weather? What was the weather? It was, not that bad. It was wind, it was windy and rainy, and that's why the total kept dropping. But so San Fran had trouble with a little bit of wind and rain. Not even really San Fran. More like Brock Purdy. And, and but what I'm saying is, isn't that ball. how the home games are oftentimes? Sure. Here's the thing that strikes me. There's a backup quarterback in Cleveland, or third string, I don't know, yeah. second string. And they had 12.5 points of turnovers. 
San Fran only had four points. So there was about an eight-point advantage San Fran got with turnovers, and it was a backup quarterback. I mean, that, it, it's one thing to win a game, but usually an underdog that wins, it's turnovers. Not that you give the ball up and still win the game. I, I think the real question might be, if San Fran stays healthy, they're fine. The Cleveland defense. Oh, it's the best in the league by far, in yeah. my opinion. I, I mean, I, I've been thinking that they were really good. Now they're Because the quality opposition was a question. Sure. But this game solidified. And mm-hmm. you could say weather or whatever, and McCaffrey got hurt. I get it. But to hold the Niners, this Niners team, to 17 points, you know, in, in a game where you weren't getting much out of your offense, so field position wasn't always ideal for them. The Browns' defense is is incredible. If they could have an average offense, they'd be a force. But so far, they're they're well below average on offense. I listened to maybe four or five podcasts that were analytically driven, do top ten defenses in the offseason upcoming. One or two had Cleveland maybe eight or nine or ten. No one had them in the top, that I can recall had them like in the top three. It shows you the old defense isn't sticky. there's a lot of truth to that because this is a lot of the same. I mean, the Browns have been going through players trying to find the right combination. They changed their DC, but this, this team, I mean, it goes back. If you look at the yardage per game to the 1969 Vikings is the last team to hold teams with this few yards Mm -hmm. in a game. So uh, the non turnover line of scrimmage expected points gained on defense. All right. The Browns have gained 51 points this season. To put it in the context, that's number one. Number two, 37 points for Baltimore. Number three, 24 for the Saints. So the Saints are considered an elite defense, and the Browns have gained double-plus on defense. On Thursday morning, I'll have the updated uh, or or a series of down numbers because last year it was – or last week it was crazy for the Browns. And again this week, um, what's the McCaffrey injury um, outlook? He got an MRI today. They don't think it's uh, serious, but they also don't know if he's going to play Monday night. Do you would you rather if McCaffrey got hurt and was out for the season, and you got twelfth in the Super Contest? That was like a devil's bargain you could make. What do you think? Would you make <sighs> I could it? Lock that in. Um, the fact you're delaying <sighs> means. Well, I really you're like mentally ill. Out there. <laughs> I think we had, we have to acknowledge that he is the most valuable non-quarterback offensive player in the NFL. When he's on the field, well, I'm saying in terms of and even t- should be to the point spread as well. I mean, you look at just look at the drives when he was in the game. 49ers went touchdown, missed field goal, punt, field goal, punt, and then when he was out of the game, that's not all that impressive. Well, they had scoring opportunities, a missed field yeah. goal. They that should have been ten points there. They should have they should have thirteen. They, they had three scoring drives essentially, out of the four drives when he was in the game. And then when he was out of the game, it was punt, 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 and then they got the one-play touchdown after the interception, and then punt, and then missed field goal. Like, they had no offense when he wasn't in the game. You know who I'd put in that conversation is Saquon Barkley because the Giants, when he's not on the field, are just a joke. Like, no no one respects the, 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 like, because Daniel Jones can't run play action Mm -hmm. then because they know you're not going to run the football, and, like, Daniel Jones turns into a pumpkin. Next game, Baltimore-Tennessee. This was in uh, England. I, I'm looking at, by the way, the Lions against the Ravens getting three. Baltimore was embarrassed the last time they went to London, and they, were, they left either Sunday night or Monday. I mean, they were there a long time. 
But that takes the energy out of you. They played a hell of a game. I'm not sure coming back with no buy, it's a good spot for him. I agree. And I, and I think uh, when you look at the Ravens and what they've done on defense, and, and McKenzie had the points uh, added up there for, for the uh, Ravens. Mm-hmm. It was Cleveland and then the Ravens mm-hmm. were second. I think the Ravens' defensive metrics, you have to take a look at who they've played from a quarterback standpoint. They played C.J. Stroud in the first game he ever played in his yeah, life. But listen, when you have an elite quarterback now that's that I think by most accounts one of the best rookies we've ever seen in the last 10 years, it's hard to say the first game doesn't count. Okay. I think that's got to be a plus to them. Okay. I mean, don't you agree? Uh, yeah. Okay, because if the second game he starts kicking ass, is it because it's the second game or because it's not the Ravens' D? They played Joe Burrow when he was clearly compromised okay. in the second game of the season. Gardner Minshew. Well, apparently you love Gardner Minshew. I mean, I think Dar- I think Gardner Minshew. Awesome. I think he's equal to Anthony Richardson. I can't. I I was shocked that the Jags beat the Colts in Jacksonville. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they, it's easy, guys. They played Dorian Thompson Robinson. <laughs> they played Kenny Pickett, and then they played a combo of Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis. That's the quarterback safe. How many snaps did Malik Willis take? Maybe a quarter of them. Yeah, probably quarter? the last quarter. All right, boy, you're trying to spin against the Ravens. I just think that I mean, I mean, is how that they an do the, how run? they do after the yeah, how they do. La- oh, it's not an impressive level of competition. The question is, how well did you play, and what adjustment do you make for the lack of competition? Maybe they get adjusted down, but like how much? But since they traded for the Chicago linebacker last season, they were mighty good. So now we're looking at, I know year-to-year defense isn't always sticky, but they kept most of their players. Then you would make the case where the corner, they were banged up in the secondary. Now that that's getting, I don't know. Listen, I don't like the Ravens, but I don't think, I think sometimes we start, each of us will start with an, maybe the Ravens aren't as good. And then we start rationalizing. You know, I would just say, watch it, you know, this, this Detroit should be a good challenge. It should be, no right? doubt. I have a question about the scoring from kicking in this game being uh-huh. so low. Justin Tucker had six field goals. Because all of his points came inside the 20 where the expectation was they were going to get more than a field goal out of it. Well, no, that wouldn't uh, – that would adjust but – but the scoring from kicking doesn't really consider what else it could have done. It's saying okay. on that exact play – how many? But remember, there was the blocked. What was the blocked, blocked extra, extra point? point? Yeah. Yeah. So if it's fourth and five from the twenty-two yard line, it's like two point nine expected points. So yeah. your field goal only adds a little bit. So the question is, if 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 it's a let's say a thirty-yard field goal, right? Since as Mackenzie said, it's supposed to be made 90 percent of the time. You only are picking up that fractional difference every time you make it. So when he kicks a 55, 60 yarder, yes. then the scoring from kicking goes up. It, yeah. it can be like two, you know, two point seven yeah, points yeah, or something yeah. on a super long one. So what we're saying is an average. What was expected is what they did, but then you add in the missed extra point or the blocked same thing, it kind of evens out. One of the things I noticed about the Ravens from an offensive standpoint was the first first four weeks of the season, 80% red zone conversion. The last two weeks, two of 11. Yeah, a lot, that's gr- a lot of that is random. Like, the real question is, what is your statistical strength or weakness on offense generally that should carry over to the red zone? If it doesn't, there's a, a good chance to say this is going to regress. The Ravens, and maybe I'm misunderstanding what you're saying, but the Ravens are a team who you would, like the style of offense that they play, you would expect them to do you well know in something? the red zone. I've read so many things about what leads the red zone success, and you know what? Half of it contradicts it. Hmm. I mean, it's like I'm not sure anyone knows because if, if they, I don't know, because big receivers in theory, 
right? Receivers that can get open man-to-man, in theory. A running quarterback, in theory. Teams that have fullbacks. Running the ball effectively at all, in theory. It doesn't seem, you know, the teams that we know struggle are the check-down gurus. You know, like the Derek Cars. If you don't, you got to have a strong enough arm to put it in a tight window. That I would say that's the one thing I know for sure. If you don't have that, it's hard to score down there. And you see these checkdown guys struggle inside the 20 a lot. But I don't think – I mean, Mackenzie, you've read a lot of stuff too. Have you seen a definitive, like, here's the factors statistically that matter? No. Yeah. Even season in season, red zone doesn't seem to, to correlate to future red zone. Before we, uh, before we move on from this game, I want to ask you guys about Ryan Tannehill. He's old. Should the should the Titans try something new? You, the you like Titan, the Titans are, c- are competitive to win their division. I think they're two and four now. Wow. I mean, what's the division odds, McKenzie? I'll pull those. Well, I, but he's been terrible. Wow. In some games, I guess. Let me see. What do you have? A, do you, did you fade Tannehill in a quarterback contest? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> he's got he's got two touchdowns, six. Well, I mean, picks. we got Tannehill. I mean, you can do your football card stats, but he's twenty third in our list. So he's above Burrow, above Jordan Love, above Deshaun Watson, above Daniel Jones, Anthony Richardson, Wilson, Ritter. I mean, should all those guys sit? Uh, well, all of those guys, you presume there's upside with them. All those are younger well, well, guys. Wait a minute. Let's think about this a second. Deshaun Watson? Upside? Deshaun Watson has significantly more upside at this point than Ryan Tannehill. You can't I don't know. When are we going to see it? I mean, it's been a long time. I mean, maybe. I guess upside... I mean, could he play better than he's playing? Yeah, okay. But so Tannehill has a long career playing better than this. So why is it that we assume Tannehill is locked in? Tannehill's 35 years old. Yeah, and but been... is that old? That's 10 years younger than Brady. There's one Brady. <laughs> I agree with that. Um, what do you, real quick, because I, I, I can't let this go too long. What do you think about this whole Aaron Rodgers throwing on the sideline stuff? Uh, it's unbelievable. I, I think that. The idea, and maybe it's just a motivating factor. I don't know, but or maybe it's he can't stand that that, that Kelsey's getting all this attention. Yeah, maybe. Well, Mr. <laughs> Pfizer, uh, the, the fact that like he thinks that he can play in January, I don't know. Again, I don't know if it's a motivating factor to say, hey, just make sure that we're in playoff contention, and then I'll be back in January. Or if he literally thinks he's coming back from this Achilles injury and playing in January, it's. It's insane. Or does he want to be in the topic of conversation along yes. the way? Possibly. I think that is yeah. for sure. That's the lock of the week. Washington, Atlanta, boy, a domination. You would think statistically with Atlanta, but we actually have Washington winning by one point. Turnovers. That's, Desmond, yeah, Desmond Ritter turns it, the ball over every time. It does account for the turnovers. Uh, it, it, you're right. The turnovers are a part of this. So, McKenzie, if we just looked at everything but the turnovers in the recalculation, what would that be? Take a minute. With it the, would be Falcons by 12 points. Okay, so 12 points wow. it would have won by, but then the turnovers. Now, do we think, I mean, along the question of upside, do we think Ritter is? I think the Falcons are wasting this roster on Desmond Ritter. Okay. I, and I, I think Taylor Heineke's a better option, but. You always like the backup. Not always. He's like, like the backup is the guy that we can dream on. Right? I think there's something How to that. often no, does the right. backup come in and really play better? Taylor Heineke has done more in his career Who's than Who's got Desmond more Ritter upside? Uh, Taylor Heineke. Oh, has. that's insane. We've seen Taylor Heineke start like two and a half seasons. Like, we know how good he is, right? Yeah. But, I mean, do we really know that Ritter won't become the next, you know, Tannehill? 
I mean, I get. I mean, I don't know, but I I've got a good feeling. <laughs> or a bad feeling. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Anything else in that game? No. I mean, there's some interesting stats with him home and away. This is his first home first loss. First home loss, yeah. And also, I think it's – don't quote me on this. I'll have it for uh, Thursday morning. But I think Ritter in the fourth quarter, I think it – no, it's the first half. First half, I gave it out. Okay, go and ahead. This was one of my bets on on our on the Dream Pod. Uh-huh. One of my best bets was to Washington in the first half. And it's because Ritter now with the Falcons is now 0-10 in the first half ATS. So first – and they they going into this game, they were losing by an average of 6.3 points per game at the half. Uh Ritter has lost his last uh if if you look at the points scored 3 9 7 10 14 3 3 0 7 and 10. What Those make, are the points scored by the Falcons in the first half. What makes that especially egregious is the Falcons are built to be a front running team. Mm-hmm. And well, they can't but hold on when you're a running team you're built to wear a team down in the second half too. That's true. I mean you don't want to get behind. Right. Right? But but you know I mean think I can still think about that Nebraska, remember in 95 or whatever, Osborne hadn't won a title yet. Remember in 83, he went yeah. for two. And I still remember, I can't remember who they were playing, but it was one of those like Florida teams. And it was Miami. Was it Miami? I think so. And then in the in the third and the fourth, they just kept pounding that fullback. And again, I know games changed a little bit, but I do think running teams do better in the fourth quarter. But you just can't fall behind. Yeah. Right, so now Owen ten in his NFL career against the first half. But if, if you're scoring six points per first half, it's hard not to be it, playing it's from a good behind. Point. It's a good point. Now the question is, if Atlanta, Atlanta feels a lot like the Jets. Atlanta feels a lot like even Cleveland. The thought was, if they only have an elite quarterback, how good would they be? Well, would Atlanta, if they had, let's say, um, let's just say Kirk Cousins. Would would Atlanta be equally like the best team in the NFC or right I, there with the 49ers? I don't think Atlanta's defense has been as good as people thought it was going to be. Yeah, but if you're always behind, it's kind of hard to, right? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, they're 20, 24th on defensive DVOA. So you've got the uh, South division odds, Mackenzie? Yeah, Saints plus 170, Falcons plus 175, Bucks are 2 to 1, Panthers 60,000 to 1 or 600 to 1. All right, that's interesting. I think it's not three elite teams, but there's three competitive teams there. Okay, so speaking of Kirk Cousins, Minnesota crushes the Bears. Well, they won by six, but statistically they should have won by over 12 points. Kevin Cole says the Bears should have won the game. He's contrarian. What do you guys think? It was interesting to see, well, I was interested to see what Kirk Cousins would look like without Justin Jefferson. And for a while, the offense didn't really do much. I mean, it took a while to get uh, TJ Hawkinson going because early on he wasn't putting up the numbers. So the Lions traded him mid last year. Well, then they drafted his replacement. Uh They did well. Uh, But he wound up leading the team with six catches. And I think that's what you're going to see from this Minnesota offense now is it's going to be a lot of TJ Hawkinson and not as many deep shots down the field. Cousins, 181 counting yards, and he said, I guess publicly now or through his agent, he's not going to accept a trade. Yeah, barring some unforeseen circumstance, he said. So they they always leave the door open for something to happen. But they say, make an interesting point. He is a family man. He likes routine. Mm -hmm. He knows he's going somewhere else next year. He doesn't want to have him move twice. Who knows? Um, Chicago, by the way, they lost 15 extra points on turnovers 
compared to Minnesota. That's the whole game. I think any upgrades – again, I, I argued with Fez about this game, about the extreme upgrade he made on Chicago after last week's win. Where well, he, first of all, losing this game by six doesn't really say that was wrong. His He said Justin Fields is good. No, he didn't say that. Uh, that's what he said. Come on. Listen, you understand when you talk for hours and hours and hours, do you think he thought ju- – well, here's the thing. Did he have Justin Fields in the uh, 14th or 15th? In his- I, I don't know where Maybe he Here's what he got. He's got Justin Fields right now 21st. Yeah. And so he's, he's got the backup. he's a full level below an average team. He's got him at a minus one. Or average quarterback. He's got him at a minus one, which is the same as he has uh, Carr, Russell Wilson, and Baker Mayfield. And that agrees with our QBRPFF. He's 17th. Yeah. I mean, listen, he is going to be hit or miss. Like, he's going to have, hey, but I thought you liked potential upside. He's got upside. I've seen enough downside. <laughs> well, he might not play. He's got the dislocated yeah. thumb. Yeah. Uh, the backup, uh, Bajent, uh, is a minus 4.5. Please, no cursing. No cursing. <laughs> Excuse me. But, but he did look good in, in, in relief. Rush for the touchdown. Houston. Wins by seven against the Saints. They just keep winning this Houston team. They, they didn't win their third game until the last game of the season last year. <laughs> I, I I told you they were good. It just took a while. Yeah, figured it out. Is um they won uh, Saints won by two points at the line of scrimmage. So really, this is surprising. The Saints lost six, almost seven points on their kicking points from kicking or kicking for points might be the way to say it. What happened there, McKenzie? Missed two out of four makeable field goals. That will lose a game when you lose. Well, I guess when you lose by seven, it doesn't really matter, does nope. it? So they would have been fine either way. I know you're a skeptic, especially with anything Houston. But this quarterback, this high State Buckeye, by the way, the undefeated Buckeyes. In the, That's right. Yeah. Um, thoughts? Do you want to give a personal apology? Uh, no, I don't want to apologize. But well, RJ, he finally threw an interception. So, oh, okay. You know. <laughs> All questions have been answered. No, I think what the Texans are doing right now, Stroud with what I would call very limited weapons. 15th with, in our quarterback rank. With a with the worst running game in the NFL behind an, an offensive line that's like made of paper mache. It's been injured. Yeah. I, I think what he's done so far is incredible. And so I, I think you, you got to give a lot of credit to D'Amico Ryans. There's been a, an early culture shift for these Texans, and they, they don't look like a losing franchise right now. If you look at the PFF grade for Stroud, and this shows you how statistics, people don't trust him. 14th Stroud in PFF. ESPN QBR, 14th. But he's ranked 15th. <laughs> I mean, hey, I didn't do the math. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> and we wait them 50-50. Yeah. <laughs> How did that happen, McKenzie? I'm, I'm sure there's I'm a looking re- at it now. It's just a quirk. Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> I get it. It's just a quirk. <laughs> All right. Um, I still think Houston's a buy. I mean, Yeah. It goes to show you how bad the Steelers are if they're not focused, how Houston just whooped them a couple weeks ago. I mean, Pittsburgh got to be focused. So they're in tr- Anytime they're not focused, go the other way. I think this, when you, when oh, you say they're a bye, like I felt like last week when they were a point and a half on the road at Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Well, that, then it closed two and a half. Okay, but it just felt like there was an overzealousness. Well, I, but again, you said that last week's recap and it, or during the uh, Thursday morning show. And my point is, well, if you, if the line goes to Atlanta two and a half and you cover, how yeah. overzealous okay. are they? No, you're right. And they were leading. You know, I just think that this is a competitive team that's going to play hard every week. Yes. 
And, and they listen, they they got the Panthers and the Bucks the next two weeks. Like they could go on a run. So um Panthers and Bucks, and if we look at the line right now, and we'll see what kind of adjustment there's been. We won't do as much of the line stuff without Fez. We'll be back with that next week uh, if he's recovered. <laughs> um, so let me see here. We're looking at Houston, the Texans, right? Um, why am I having trouble finding that? Huh. Are they on a buy next week? No, they are on a buy oh, next I, week. That's week eight. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was saying, where's Houston? We should, probably should have it. You know, actually, just when it's alphabetical, Mackenzie here, let's put the buy teams in, just have it be grayed out. Gotcha. So that way, you know. I won't look past it four times saying, did they, did they Houston? <laughs> they the I was thinking, are they like the Texans? Are they from Houston? You know how it's like the um, Angels went? From like, Anaheim to Los Angeles. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But but sometimes they go like to a whole area instead of the city. What was a team that did that recently? Um, they were like, they were, they were like for a city and then they became like the California, wasn't it the California? I don't know. The yeah. Phoenix Coyotes became the Arizona Coyotes. I don't, I don't acknowledge hockey. So it wasn't that. <laughs> Though I did actually spend 12 hours listening to a book on tape or on you know Audible about soccer analytics. I actually know more about soccer than either of you How guys. How many hours did you listen? It was like an 11 or 12-hour book. Damn. That's how long it takes to read a normal-sized book, apparently. It's usually between 9 and like 12 hours. Okay. But again, it's like a podcast, right? You listen oh, yeah. an yeah. hour and you mm-hmm. move on. Um, okay, let's keep going here. We've got, uh, oh, the shocker of the weekend, Jacksonville wins in Jacksonville. No. <laughs> so how are you feeling about that handicap? Because First of all, it's my one weight. Uh, Fez had a five, listen, he had a four. Why listen, are you pointing at me? Let's, He's not here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, McKenna. Very sharp. That's Ivy League thinking there. <laughs> now, here's the thing. You're the one that when I took Chicago over Green Bay in week one. Yeah. You no, rubbed right. it you're in right. like crazy. Yeah, you're right. So now it's time. It's, to, it's time to answer for Santino, Carlo. Yeah, it was foolish to not take into account series history and the Did, dominance were you, at home. Were you ignorant of it or, no, I or dismissive of it? Of it. I, I, I was dismissive of it because of the back-to-back games in London and coming home and playing without a bye. But I told you about that. I they know. were going to be focused. Yeah, you were right. I, I think so. Any thoughts for did, Well, then It's again. so unfair that I missed the week that the Bills beat the shit out of the Dolphins. Yeah. I mean, let's look, at, let's look at what happened in this game. I mean, look at the points off of turnovers. Oh. It was, He's using our stats again. I'm just saying, like, there's no there, – the Jacksonville doesn't Teams score. with backup quarterbacks turn the ball over. Great job by the Colts of just milking most of the first quarter on the opening drive of the game. And then so Jacksonville scores their first drive, so it's 7-3. One play fumble gives gives the, the, the Jags the ball on the twenty something yard line. They score a touchdown. Now they're up fourteen. But then nothing We're happens not doing again. A play by play, I'm just saying we? nothing happens again. They like, scored two touchdowns in sixteen seconds. Yes, yeah, but then nothing happened again until there was another turnover that gave the Jags a short field. Well, here's the good news with the updated numbers since 2015 <laughs> in Jacksonville. Straight up, Jacksonville's beat the Colts by 18 points a game. Yeah, this was. The, this is the, <laughs> he, he, I feel way worse about this pick than the Chargers. So, but again, this, consider you, you're you're 29 and one. Yeah, <laughs> 20 9 one. Okay, um, I won't. But let's admit what Scott's saying. There was a 16 point edge in turnovers for Jacksonville. So you know it wasn't all at the line of scrimmage, no doubt. But again, backup quarterbacks tend to turn the ball over. And part of what I liked about the Colts was their backup quarterback is a 
downfield throwing quarterback versus Anthony Richardson, who was going to be more of a, a, a short pass run game guy. They say and, he might be out for the year. And yeah. I, I think it's very difficult to run against this Jags defense. So I thought maybe something else I mentioned. I thought maybe throwing the ball would would be a, a path to success for with the Jags the, with the backup quarterback. For the Colts. Well, because the backup quarterback's a better thrower than the starter. Minshew was with Jacksonville. They said no, thank you. Philly said no, thank you. I mean, the guy might we might like his mustache. He's not that good. Jacksonville said no thank you because he got paid like an elite backup quarterback. Well, exactly. So they're saying you were our starter, now you're not. Yeah. <laughs> Jacksonville, by the way, after week six, number one in rush defense EPA. It's pretty good. Say, yeah, they're, they're very strong against the run. Miami wins by 30 points at the line of scrimmage. This is one of the biggest. They were up 21 points at the line. Carolina down eight and a half. They were down 14 to nothing in this game. Didn't even bother me. <laughs> I had them as we went three and two in the Super Contest. Again, San Fran, loser, and the Chargers. We got to get to that Chargers. All right, let's see. New England, Arizona Rams. I mean, this Rams team, I tell you this, the Rams are good. I mean, I think the Rams, I mean, now with Cooper Cup back, they might be 12th or 13th best team in the league. Let's look at the line of scrimmage aggregation numbers for the season. And I'll come in with... Um, Fez has the Rams, by the way. Yeah. 10th. That's That doesn't seem wrong to me. 0.5 better than an average. Ma- Matt Stafford is 6th in our QB rankings. Uh-huh. If you had told me Matt Stafford was going to be the 6th best quarterback in the league, I would have said the Rams are going to be good. Now, I got to admit, guys, it's time for the worry that Giants Raiders trade <laughs> might be crushing you guys because if you had, I mean, if they get uh, top three picks, which seems likely now, that's going to penalize the hell out of you, right? And then if you think about it, the Raiders are—they have no chance at a top three now. No. You would think they might make the playoffs. I mean, they're they're right there yeah. on the cusp. Yeah, but we we got the Rams though as one of our. <laughs> <laughs> up teams. All right. So we feel good. We feel good. What you remember? You gave us shit. You said you guys shouldn't have even taken them because. No, I was more pro Rams than ever. all you guys combined wasn't as pro Rams as I you was. You said it was more likely they'd finish bottom three than make the playoffs. I, I, I mean, think you, that you, was you true. You did select Rams over six and a half under your yeah. Yeah. under wins. No, what I'm saying is, I I still I think entering the year, if you looked at the the numbers, like here's the thing. We handicap can adjust something by a half a game, maybe. But if the market says they're going to win five and a half, if we think they're going to win 10, we're, we're insane. Yeah. Right? It's going to happen sometimes, but you can't assume that's the right number. But I, I didn't think McVay would come back unless he was going to coach the hell out of these guys. Because yeah. why, why not just become an announcer if you're going to get yeah. your head kicked in every yep. game? So, I, I re- listen, he's gone up in esteem to me, that performance. Okay, is that it? Except for the Monday night? Uh, you're just going to look at the line oh. of scrimmage year to date. Oh, that's true. That's true. Line of scrimmage year to date, we've got, um, he, let me see here. We're talking about the Rams. Oh, wow. We got the Rams, what, ranked ninth? Fits right in with Physics Power Ratings at 10th. Yeah, ninth. So here's the top teams again Miami, San Fran, KC, Baltimore, Buffalo, Detroit, Cleveland, Philly, the Rams. It sounds like the right numbers. What's going Wind on? Totals up to eight and a half on the Rams. Okay, okay, that's almost playoff level. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so we have the Eagles game. Yep, yep. twenty fourteen Jets win. That's right. Uh, four to zero turnovers. That's right. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. 
without both starting cornerbacks, by the way. Yeah, and Sauce, that's a big deal, especially it's a cluster injury. Philly should be able to throw two good receivers, a good tight end. So I have a question. Our score says Mm 32-20. Am I I reading that right? That's 12-point mark. Okay. But it says that the Jets should have scored 32 points. Uh Uh-huh. The Jets, until the until the Eagles parted the sea and let the Jets score a touchdown, the Jets had 12 points. Okay, but you do understand that we're talking about yardage and stuff, right? So, Mackenzie, you want to break that out for us? Yeah, so Jets, 244 yards, 4.1 YPP, not very good. If you put that together, that's 17.8 points expected. But they gain 19 points from turnovers, and 11 of those are going to go on your ledger because generally you score more. Gotcha. Then you yeah. give up with turnovers. So, so really, I mean, imagine a pick six or something. There's no yards. So the it. Eagles defense held up better than it should have is what that's saying. The Jets had three red zone fails. But there's another thing with this. There's only so many possessions in a game. So they, let's say there's a pick six. Now you you get no yards and you lose it. And now the other team has the ball again. Right. So to some degree, there's a correlation between getting turnovers and not getting yards. That's true. Right? Because – now, if you get the turnover down your own end, it's different, right? But so in general, when the points are that high on turnovers, they ha- they happen in an opportune way for you, but it doesn't help your stats on offense. Okay. So we account for that. And it's funny you you uh, poo pooed it. You were looking at the Jets team total under, and it was sixteen and a half, and you said, "Nope, I'm out on that." Uh, that I I played that, mm-hmm. and it was sitting at twelve. Eagles have the ball. And then when they turned it over, and then they instead of holding them to oh, a field goal. Oh, so that's goal, why we got the part in the Red Sea. Con- okay. I mean, it literally happened, but yeah, it was pain. It was a painful loss. I, well, I, I, <laughs> so you were wise. Well, but to get I would have, I would have wanted, I would have bet the hell out of it. It's seventeen. And a half, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I thought the Jets were going to blow this because after the interception, when they had the first and goal from the eight yard line, obviously Philly let them score because it was the only chance that they had was to get the football back. It, there was a minute fifty left in the game. The Eagles had two timeouts left. Why didn't they just take the knee, force them to take a timeout, take a knee, force them to take a timeout, take a knee, milk the clock down to like 50 seconds, and kick the field goal to win the game? Give the Eagles yeah, back but if the ball. There's 50 with seconds left. 40, I'd rather give the Eagles back the football with 45 seconds left and no timeouts than a minute 40 and two timeouts. But they would have only needed a field goal to tie at that point, right? What would they, the will, they would have needed a field goal to win, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. See, that feels very passive, too. Why not, feel, take, why it, not take the knee on first down and force them to use one timeout and then run a play? Like just, but no team's ever done anything like yeah. I mean, has they? I don't think I've ever seen a team do that. Because it, it doesn't it indict the defense in a way. It, it feels like you're saying, see, all this Madden style strategy, I'm not sure about. But I guess this if you're a home sliding at the one. I mean, if, yeah, but that was different because you can do out the yeah. If your team is like the strength of your team is your defense, which yeah. the Jets clearly is, maybe it does make some sense. I but then the theory is getting the ball in the end zone would have been a challenge anyway. Yeah. So just what I what I would have done is and maybe that's not the best strategy to milk it down and kick the field goal and then give them the football but back. The, but, the, but it's already time to make the decision. But I would have just I would have taken a knee on first. I would have just forced them to use a timeout. Like maybe take a knee on first and second down and run a play on third down. But if then it's, a the, touchdown, it's the worst of both worlds. But they're still going to let you score because the only oh. way they well, have you don't a have chance. to score if you don't want to. Yes, but they're going to they're going to part like they did. The, the, the defenders backed off and let Brees Hall run right into the end zone. If you forced them to use some timeouts, you could have given them the football back with no time left. There was a long no time football was played where none of this was considered. Sure, I think about and half no of it for two, and no I think half did, of it's yeah. bullshit. And you know what? I think all the fourth down stuff to some degree is going to double back. I'm not saying it's going to go all the way back. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to guess it goes to right about where Belichick was in 08 is what I'm going to guess. <laughs> but uh, we'll see. And, and again, I do think some of that is the defenses are getting better on the fourth and fours because they're spending more time on it. Mm. Um, by the way, there's only two games this week that the wrong team won based upon our fourth quarter win share. One of these was this one. Philly had a 62% chance to win, and they didn't. And the other, the biggest error of the week in theory, Sam France, 64% chance to win. But wide right or left, I'm not sure. I know. I think one went left and one went right, right? Yeah, the last one was right. None of them won. All right, it's time. It was windy. I'm going to put a twelve, put a clock on this. Let me think. Put an 11-minute clock on this. All right. Got it, McKenzie? Yeah. <clears throat> Why don't you intro it, Scott? Okay. Quote, is he too fragile? Can he handle the criticism? Any other quarterback who shuns social media like he does might be viewed as mature beyond his years, but with Herbert... The question can be twisted into, what is he hiding from? (laughs) In 2018, pressure situations. One scout told Bleacher Report's Matt Miller that Herbert was quirky, not really a leader of men. Others said that he was soft and immature. Oh my gosh. And that's been years. (laughs) I read from this old article, RJ. Not just arbitrarily. (laughs) To explain Justin Herbert throwing an interception late in the game, and really not being able to handle the pressure physically of the Dallas Cowboys pass rush. Or mentally. In the Cowboys' 20-17 win <laughs> over the Chargers on Monday Night Football. Who do we blame for this one? Is it is it Lombardo? It's Justin Herbert. This is a Justin Uh-oh. Herbert loss. Uh-oh. And this is a, the last one I can really remember being a Justin Herbert but loss. But all questions were answered. Well, not all of them, apparently. No, this was a... This, this is was the a, acceptance stage, by the way. <laughs> yeah, this was a rough game for him. Um, well, what stage are you in with the Jets? I, there's one Marketing. other. There's one other guy I've got beef with, but it's not enough that he's oh, number who's one. that guy? Kellen Moore. Oh, Kellen Moore. I. It's another. It's another OC that can't no, harvest I, Herbert's I, talent. I think he's good. I think he just he was scared in this game, and the, the Chargers run on first down, thirty three percent of the time. Last night they ran fifty percent of the time. And averaged See, it's one so point. How people think the only like you can really be an advanced footballer if you just throw on first. That's all you well, got to do. If you run, if you if you've got eleven first downs. Oh my god! On, Is he going to pull out EPA here? One point seven yards per carry. They got more than three yards on one of he those. He was plays. softening him up for the play action. Gross. Uh, right. But no. But Herbert, he played poorly and he missed a throw uh, to Keenan Allen in a key moment. He 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 did not do well with pressure all night. This was a bad game for Herbert. When's the, the been the good games? Do, the, the offensive line didn't do well with the pressure. I mean, what is Herbert's record as a starter? Do we have that updated? It's probably close to 500. I'll grab that. Clo- you're hoping it's 500. All right. Luckily, pregame.com research did some research. There's been one, two, three, four situations where the Chargers had the ball with a drive that could either win the game or tie the game. Under four minutes left in the fourth quarter or overtime. So four times it takes just one successful drive. And some of them were field goals is all you needed. Against Miami. And the Vegas win percentage chance at the time said they had a 43% chance to win the game. They had the ball with a minute 45 left twenty or uh, on their own 25. And they got one first down. Then they gave up a fourth down failure. 
And at the end of the drive, they had a 0% chance. So there's been a 42% drop on that drive. Maybe it's a coincidence against Tennessee. Same. Well, let's just, I won't go through all the facts, but Vegas said they had a 35% chance to win. At the end of that, well, they had a field goal to tie, and they did. Oh, wait, that's successful. Did they win? No. They went to overtime. And then they had another chance in overtime. Oh, gosh. Had a 40% chance to win with the ball. Only needed a field goal at that point. Punt. And they dropped 18 percentage points. And then against Dallas, the one that just happened, the Chargers had a 21% chance. You could say not much of a chance. But at the end, when Herbert was done, zero. He's like, give the ball and it goes to zero. The chance to win the game. Okay. That's your. Mahomes hasn't had that many failures in his career, I don't think. If I said since 2020, when he came in the league, uh huh, that he has had the second most game winning drives of any quarterback in the league, would you believe it? Huh? 14 game winning drives. So they, they say it's a game winning drive, what? If it's like with 14 minutes left in the fourth quarter? If it's a drive that gives your team the lead. And okay, congratulations. Well, no, it has to be that score gives them the yeah. lead. Okay, great. But when the prep, because he maybe tell him, hypnotize him and say, there's 14 minutes left, go. <laughs> because apparently when it's like you, you got to put up or shut up, he just goes by himself and shuts the door and says, Mom, I don't want to come out. I don't want to see Uncle Frank at Thanksgiving. I'm a loner. Yeah. <laughs> 27 and 27 in the regular season, 0 and 1 in the playoffs, Justin Herbert for his career. He's below 500. Yes. In in toss up games, so games with a spread of three points or less, Herbert. I, I bet he's good. He's ten now, ten, fifteen, and one ATS, and uh, one six and one ATS in his last eight. He so he's 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 digress or he's dropping off. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Why did you suck me into Batnam? That's the question. That's the question. I didn't suck you into it. And somehow all the market was going that way, right? What did it close at? One one and a half. Yeah, one yeah. in a lot of spots. Yeah. I, maybe we should just tease it with Herbert. Figure he'll get there at the end, he'll oh, lose. Herbert doesn't lose by more than a touchdown. It's all, it's all, <laughs> all the same. It's if it's uh between if it's between one and six, he's probably losing. I think he's undefeated. Yeah, five and oh versus the teaser. <laughs> you do you do realize that he what year is he in? Six? Twenty twenty was his first year. So what year is he in? Four. Four? I mean, I mean, when's he going to grow up? Is this it? Is this it? Might be. Wow. You know, it, it didn't apply. <laughs> it didn't apply to the Monday night game because they were losing at the half. But is it anti-Herbert? Yeah. Go ahead. But when <laughs> when having a, when having a lead at halftime, Herbert is 7-24 and 2 in the second half ATS. So he so cannot it, hold the lead. He's the worst quarterback in the NFL since he was So drafted. he struggles when there's prosperity and he struggles when he needs the score to win. Well, that's good. I, how much is he making a year? You think they regret this contract? No. So at what point would they? Because, I mean, Jay Cutler, again, can we agree that my prescient, prescient, forward-looking thought of having a comp to Jay Cutler is starting to scare you a little. It feels a lot like Jay Cutler. No, Jay Cutler turns the ball over like all the time. This was the second pick he's thrown all year. I'm saying a super talent with a rifle arm that has social anxiety, some social disorder that could be diagnosable. I don't know. I mean, the scouts thought so, it seemed. And he loses. 
Isn't that Jay Cutler? Like a bad attitude or doesn't get along with his teammates, doesn't bond or doesn't lead his teammates. I don't think that's the case anymore, by the way. You think he leads the teammates? No, I think that his teammates all love him. Like his te- like and Jay Cutler never had that. How do we know that they love him? Are you just hearing Keenan Allen? Why talk don't they to- win for him then? They're not- they, you know what it could be that one receiver was out. No. If only he was I, like in. Well, he was out. Michael Williams was Michael out. Michael Williams is out for the season. <laughs> well, now we can't count yeah, any of that. Done for the year. Check in next year. You know, back back in August, Khalil Mack said, quote, he's coming around as a leader. And uh, <laughs> Keenan Allen. So, so that even presupposes yeah. he's not yeah. a leader beforehand. And Keenan Allen said that Herbert, quote, appears more comfortable in every setting. Appears more. Would it be funny if your quotes would have been, that Khalil Mack says, I think he's more of a leader, and then someone else responds, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> like, 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 that seems like what to call Like, it couldn't have been more tepid, more milk toast than that. He appears to maybe not be so anxious in a crowd. Does, does he... I wonder... <laughs> There's only four minutes Keenan, left, AJ. There's Keenan, only four minutes. I know. Keenan, <laughs> Keenan Allen said, quote, on the sideline, in the huddle before we go out, in the huddle before breaking us down, he's giving speeches now. He talks in the huddle. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> you know something? I don't often say this. Give me, dig deep. Let's, let, we're going to crowdsource this. Anyone that can hear my voice, send me any little quote. It can be from now. It can be from years ago that helps us build the case of Herbert's issues. And I will quote your Twitter slash X account exactly verbatim for those that want to follow. Send it to at RJ in Vegas. And you know, Scott, you do the best collecting these. What's your, uh, your Scott's on air? At Scott's on air. All right, so it's at Scott's, and that's got an S on it. So it's S-C-O-T-T-S, Scott's mm-hmm. on air. Send it in. He'll pick the best ones. We'll read it and give attribution. Nothing obvious. We want to see like some scout from Louisiana. What did he say? Or maybe go back to his college newspapers. Wherever Lexus Nexus, whatever you need to use, you f- go get micro microfish in the library. Is that what they call that stuff? I think so. I think microfish, <laughs> fish, whatever it takes. Let's uncover this because maybe it will get him help. I'm. This is a mercy mission to get him help. AJ, what do you think? Uh, don't send it to me. I'll block you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Scott's I'm on air. I don't need anyone telling me about Justin Herbert. Keenan <laughs> Allen. Keenan Allen chuckles. In the past, a Herbert huddle would break down of, hey, Chargers on three. Now it's, hey, good day. We did this. We did good this. Day, and we did from that. England? <laughs> good day, mate. And then Chargers on three. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, he's overselling it, isn't he? You know something? We got to listen. The first off week out, you know, the Super Bowl week when there's a little time in between, we got to do. A, a dramatic reading of some of these, <laughs> like like sound effects, and we can say like, and then in 2019, K- 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 whatever Alan said this, and we can read it in a slightly different voice. Maybe even get some uh, amateur actors in here. That because we would we need that like you know like this is something like the um what's that show the Oliver what's his name Kev, not Oliver John Oliver John Oliver where they'll do like dramatic readings or something yeah I, last week tonight I yeah, can see it I think that's what we need to do and then have him on the soundboard and just so no one ever says I am too hard on AJ I'm gonna I'm gonna take my time what do they call it in the Senate when they say I'm gonna get they say give my time but yield yield I'm gonna yield my time to a future bashing of Herbert <laughs> thank you 
All right, boys, that's it for the week. Fez is back, hopefully, <laughs> on <laughs> for the Thursday morning. And remember, dream preview Thursday morning, but it's five days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, straight out of Vegas AM. Check it out.